Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the first ever episode of the Friday Kickoff Show, something that I've decided to try out this year mainly because of yesterday and my time thing. There's a huge time crunch yesterday, I didn't really get to talk about as much as I wanted to, and I want to break down the Saints and LSU games before they happen. And so I figured, for this season, or at least for the next few weeks, um, why not just have an entire show dedicated to doing that, where I actually get some time and an extra day to talk about the games, think about the games, you know, scout out some teams, and give you my thoughts on the upcoming games. I don't know what order is going to be preferable for you guys, so the way it's going to work is like this. For this week's episode, I'm going to talk about the LSU game first, and then we're going to go into the Saints game. For next week's episode, it's going to be the reverse. So I'm going to talk about the Saints game first and transition into LSU, and uh, I would really like some feedback because I don't want to keep going back and forth and back and forth. I'd like to have a consistent format. I just want to see which works better. I'll see which works better for me and how I like to talk about it. But yeah, um, so this is going to be an interesting thing, because I've never done this before, though I do feel like it's something that I should have done before. So, strap in, hold on tightly, here comes this wild ride as we begin with the LSU game. Now, LSU is having its home opener this weekend, yes. After a dreadful start in Los Angeles, LSU returns to the friendly confines of Tiger Stadium, the home of 102,321, because if you're a freshman, they decide to hammer that number into your head as the uh, capacity of the stadium. I don't know why they do that. It's not even that impressive for the SEC. It's the third largest in the SEC and second largest in the division of the SEC West, so not exactly that impressive. Just saying. Um, in... You know what else isn't impressive? Uh, the opponent LSU has this week. Unfortunately, LSU... Well, unfortunately, fortunately, LSU is playing McNeese State this week. McNeese State is bad. McNeese State is atrocious. McNeese State is 0-1 on the season, and their loss came to Division II West Florida. Now, West Florida, I should note, not exactly the worst team to lose to, especially when they're the defending national champions of Division II. This is a team that only uh, has existed with a football program since 2016. They won it in 2019. Yeah, it took them four years to win a national championship. I don't know how they did it either. I actually do. That was a lie. So, random tangent. West Florida just used transfers. They used a lot of transfers to get to where they were. Now, in order to scout out McNeese, I wanted to watch the first half of their game against West Florida. Unfortunately, thanks to ESPN Plus weirdness, the first quarter of the game was completely cut, so I only watched the second quarter. That was enough for me to see cool stuff, such as, oh, I don't know, possibly the greatest catch I saw all weekend, or from the weekend, West Florida dude. His name is, and I wrote it down because holy crap, it's good, uh, his name is Karan Ashley. So what he did was he mossed the defender. He mossed that bitch. And let me tell you, um, it's hard to describe it as well as when you look at it, you're like, oh, that's, that's a thing. So let me try and explain it. Um, you hear the term climb the ladder sometimes for a catch. This dude looked like he did. I don't know what the heck he was doing, but his jump was like he found a stepladder to get to the ball. He was a foot over the defender. It looked like he was like a foot over the defender to catch the ball. Huh? And this guy was, like, fourth on the team in 2019 in terms of, uh, like, catches and yards and all. He was tied for second in touchdowns. Uh, that guy's really good. 
But McNeese, in general, did not look good from what I was looking at with them. Um, I will say offensively, because they didn't really get the ball, but like two or three times in the spot that I watched them. Because again, I only wanted to watch the first half, so I only could watch the second quarter because I wanted to get this done. And, you know, I think I saw some stuff. Uh, Cody Orgeron is their quarterback, yes. That Orgeron is, they are related. Uh, so it's Kojo's son, and if you don't think they're going to mention that in the broadcast about 27 billion times, then oh my god, you've never seen an ESPN broadcast. Yeah. So, um, he looks decent. He looks pretty decent. Uh, he had a really good throw. Uh, the only touchdown that I saw McNeese score in that was a really good throw. Um... Beautiful TD pass. You get the receiver. He turns around. He gets the ball. It's like a throw right to a point, and it's a lot of trust in the receiver. He gets it right to him. Pretty good. Um, McNeese has some interesting stuff on offense. They have a transfer tight end from LSU. He transferred there in 2020, Jamal Pettigrew. They also have a quarterback transitioned to wide receiver. His name, Walker Wood. If you know that name, I don't know how you would know that name. Uh, it's because he played at Kentucky in 2019, but transferred over. So yeah, he's number nine on your screen. So if you see number nine catching passes out there for McNeese, that was originally a quarterback and he's still listed as a quarterback on their website. I don't know why he's listed as a quarterback. He was playing wide receiver in the game. Um, but yeah, that's a weird thing. McNeese's defense is bad. McNeese's defense was bad. Just atrocious. They let a 71-yard play go. It wasn't a touchdown. But you have West Florida is backed up at like their own two-yard line. And they let this big old streaking route get over. And if you watched the LSU-UCLA game... If you remember the Kayshawn Booty catch and run, it reminded me a lot of that, and they just couldn't cover it. Just that middle of the field right there, it's a straight dot pass right there, and then dude just flying. Number 17, I forgot to write his name down. Uh, he was just flying. And again, I, I'm not going to stop raving about this West Florida team. This West Florida team looks like it's got a lot of talent on there. There was another catch prior to the touchdown. Dude, number two, just... One hands the ball somehow, the ball is supposedly well out of his reach. It should have been out of his reach. No, nah, he's like, not, not, not so fast, my friend. And just one hands the ball. I don't know how he did it. It was impressive. How was that the, that was the second most impressive catch somehow. Because it was a pretty good catch, you know. But it wasn't mossing a dude by climbing a ladder and looking like you stepped on him. It, yeah, I may or may not be still gushing over that play. It's insane. Now, that's McNeese. Also, they missed an extra point. And by missed, I mean the snap was bad, bobbled, and then uh, the holder got tackled. Not exactly a great thing for them. So, let's move on to LSU. I cannot remember who the hell is injured besides Ollie Gay and Austin Deculus. But there's a bunch of guys injured for LSU on defense and on offense. Mostly on the offensive line and then defense, it's all over the damn place. Offensive line, it's training. It's coaching. Literally, they've said it. If you didn't know, and if you didn't listen to yesterday's podcast, which I don't blame you for, because most people probably don't, there's 7 billion people on this planet and they don't listen to this. That's an insane little factoid. But if you do, you would know that I mentioned that LSU had a coaching change 
in the summer, not in like the spring, not early on, no. This was middle of the summer, maybe late spring. Basically, our line coach got in a little bit of trouble with some stuff uh, with his previous job at Clemson. And so, like, we fired him because it didn't look good. And maybe he may or may not have a wrongful termination suit against the university as a result of it. So that'll get settled. You know, because us and scandals apparently have to be really closely related. Thanks. This is one of the reasons why Coach O gets fired after this season if he doesn't go 8-4. and four. And I'm not kidding you, 7-5 and five won't be good enough. And even if we win the bowl game, it just depends on who we... It depends on who we play in the bowl game. Because if it's like a pretty good team that just got shoved into a mid-tier bowl game, that's one thing. Maybe he could save his job there. Yeah, if it's like a... If it's just a mid-tier period team, eh, your job ain't secure. And Scott Woodward ain't having none of your crap anymore. This team should win. LSU should win. Like, I don't think we're really going to be arguing about me saying that. I don't think it's a controversial thing to say that LSU not only should win this game, but should win this game handily. We should be seeing a bit of Garrett Nussmeyer out there. Guess people are going to overreact after Garrett Nussmeyer goes like 7 of 8 for a touchdown in garbage time. Are like, oh my god, we need to put in Garrett Nussmeyer. He's the future. And it's like, he's not the present. Like, (laughs) that's one of my things, by the way. Great response if you ever hear someone say... Like, here's the future. Is he the present? Ask yourself that question when you see quarterbacks. It's like, that may be the future. Is it the present? Or is that something else? Because a reminder, this guy's going to be going out there against the second string of a team whose first string couldn't beat a D2 team. I think he should do rather well. Kayshawn Booty should rake in 150 to 200 yards because, again, McNeese can't cover the middle of the field to save their lives. They're outmatched. They're going to be overplayed. Now, when Northwestern State played LSU in 2019, Northwestern State somehow built a 10-7 lead. However, Joe Burrow threw a pick. Yeah, can you just not allow them to get any pass rush going? Oh, wait, that's right, our line sucks. The good news is, if we can legitimately just throw short crossing routes, we'll just dink and dunk our way down the field and it'll take five minutes. It's gonna, like a four or five minute drive that takes 12 plays that dinks and dunks down the field to get a touchdown is all you freaking need. Because a reminder, you're trying to win this game. You need to win this game. If you lose this game, Coach O is fired on the spot. Like, let's be clear about that. Because you would lose to a team that didn't beat a D2 team. Which is why, genuinely, it shouldn't happen. Like, there are some times when you see... Like, last week, we saw six FCS over FBS upsets. But, if you look at that, one of those wasn't even an upset. Vegas had the odds as... as, uh, South Dakota State, excuse me, minus three over uh, Colorado State, which, by the way, Colorado State plays Vanderbilt this week. Oh, baby. Oh, baby. If you think I'm not going to be at least looking at the highlights of that game afterward, you are completely wrong. Because I do loves me a little bit of radioactive football. Someone's got to win. But, yeah, back to that. Um, So, you have that. Montana beating... Uh, Washington. Montana's not a bad team. Let's be clear about that. Montana's not a bad team. They caught Washington napping. Um, UConn. Are they even an FBS school at this point? Can we really say that? Eastern Washington. Eastern Washington's one of the best teams in the entirety of FCS. By the way, same with South Dakota State. South Dakota State is only coming off of a few months ago, like three or four months ago, having been in the FCS championship. 
and losing it. They are the number two team in the most recent polls, only behind the reigning national champions, Sam, uh, Sam Houston. They're a really good team. Uh, Eastern Washington's like I think a top 10 team as well. UC Davis beating Tulsa. UC Davis isn't bad, although they're not exactly great. That one, I'm not exactly sure where they are because I've talked about the fact that UC Davis just lost their OC. He got hired uh, to an FBS job. I mentioned that in the college football preview. Um, so I'm not exactly sure what happened there. But yeah. Of course, I'm trying to remember East Tennessee State. I'm not exactly sure how good they are, but Vanderbilt is just one of the worst teams I've ever seen in my life. Like, yeah. Plus, you had the near South Dakota. South Dakota's a good team. They nearly beat Kansas. Stuff like that. So, like, when you look at FCS over FBS, you need to start recognizing not always bad FCS teams. Bad FCS teams beating FBS teams is one thing. Like, the Citadel beating Georgia Tech... Oh, baby, the Citadel was not a playoff team. They weren't a bad team in general, but I think they didn't even win seven games. And they were well outside the playoff picture. So, like, that's one thing. This this is different. Like, this is bottom-of-the-barrel FCS. You have to beat them. You are way more talented. You need to go out there. If you play just like you did against UCLA, that's honestly enough to beat them. I don't want to see you do that. I want to see you play better. It's going to be tough for me to tell whether they play better, though, because, again, McNeese doesn't have the talent. They just don't. They're going to get outmatched. They're going to get overplayed. That's what you get from here. The point of these games, and I have made this point on live television, mind you, that these are games that allow you to get in reps for your backups. They allow you to um, give the time to them so that they can get acclimated to your system a little bit. You're not going to throw them out there and have them run all of the plays, but at least understand what they're expected to do and if, like, depending on how it's going to be, what they will be expected to do next year. And also, like, you need rest for uh, your starters because LSU this year has only one bye week. Again, in the 2019 season, should be noted, we randomly had two bye weeks. We had a bye after uh, Vanderbilt, and then we had a bye before Bama. That was weird. Like, I don't know why we got two bye weeks. It's, it's weird how we don't have a bye week, uh, don't have but one bye week this year. But whatever. That concludes the LSU portion of this. Let's get into the game that I really care about, although guess which one I'm going to? You're right, the one that's a 20-minute walk from me. It's going to be interesting to be in Tiger Stadium, especially because we're going to be beating the crap out of McNeese, I hope. Um, team that will probably not get the crap beaten out of them, that's the Green Bay Packers. That's right, the New Orleans Saints are opening up their 2021 season against the Green Bay Packers, and oh baby, this one's a doozy, starting with this game isn't even being played in New Orleans, it's being played in Jacksonville, Florida, after the uh, effects of Hurricane Ida, which by the way, if you want to donate to some Hurricane Ida relief, you can find the link in the description of this podcast to go to my GoFundMe, trying to raise $500 by the end of September, so go donate there if you can, donate what you can, if you can, I really appreciate it, it's going to a really good cause, yeah. So, game being played in Jacksonville, Florida. It's a Saints home game. And, uh, well, 
I hope we can bring the heat. You see, Aaron Rodgers has not been great in the state of Florida. Amazingly, in his 13-year career, he's only played seven games there. How has he only played seven games there? Like, the numbers don't make sense to me, but whatever. Um, he's 3-4. and four. Yeah, he's got a losing record in the state of Florida. I don't know how that happens either. Seriously, like, the Jaguars and the Dolphins? What is it, that the Bucks keep beating you? What? What? What is it? I genuinely don't understand how it happens, but it does. What's important to note, though, is not only that, it's going to be very hot, and we are bringing the heat. Yeah, it's supposed to be in, like, the 90s. The humidity, it's gonna be bad. It's gonna be like playing in New Orleans, but without the dome. And, like, the screaming fan base. And the, okay, you get the point, though. The weather is gonna be like New Orleans. Because, if you didn't know this, here's something that you should know. Jacksonville and New Orleans have pretty similar climates. We're the two most humid cities in the entire country. So, yeah, that's a thing we have an advantage over. Uh, we practice in that. The Metairie Practice Facility, that's what they do. They're, they're playing outdoors, and that's what they're practicing in. So they're used to it. Green Bay ain't used to it. Because in Green Bay, it's not that humid, and it's not that hot. It's tough to replicate those conditions in Green Bay. It ain't tough to replicate those in Metairie. You want to replicate those conditions in Metairie? Walk outside. No, seriously, walk outside. It's probably worse. <laughs> and that's one advantage I think the Saints have. Here are the disadvantages. Number one, uh, the Packers have Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers, who are really, really good. Granted, Devontae Adams was not the problem last year. It was uh, Marquez Valdez. No, it was Alan Lazard was actually the major issue for the Saints in that Week 2 matchup. Um, like... That was a weird thing. It's not always the guy you think it's going to be in those matchups. Uh, I'm a Saints fan. I know this because Julio Jones is kind of sort of meaningless to me, and he doesn't scare me. If you want to, if you really want to look at what Julio Jones is, he's insane. He's great. He hasn't caught a touchdown pass against the Saints in like five years. I am not making that up. He has not done well against the Saints. In fact, in his career, he does not have a great record against the Saints. You know who did better? Roddy White. Here's the thing. Julio Jones is so damn good, everyone knows what to do. Double him. What happens is, they would always leave open another guy. With the Packers, that's kind of what we did. We would keep going on to Devontae Adams, Devontae Adams, Devontae Adams, Devontae Adams. Oh my god, Marquez Valdez-Scantling is gone. Oh my god, Alan Lazard. What was it, like an 80-yard touchdown? Like, I was complaining about that the whole damn time when I was doing my two-point conversion after that game. It was bad. They had a damn good offense. Their defense their defense looks a little bit better than uh, the last time, which is what you would hope. Now, the good news for the Saints is that they don't have uh, David Bakhtiari, the Packers. He's gone for the first six weeks. Unfortunately, the Saints have their own injury in Michael Thomas, but I really don't know if that's going to matter as much as you might think. The main reason for that is... We played a lot of games last year without Michael Thomas, and uh, we went 12-4. and four. We didn't have as many problems as you might think. Like, okay, we don't have Michael Thomas. Oh, no. There is another guy that's gone, though, uh, from the Saints. Just got released only a few days ago, in fact. Latavius Murray. 
but I think I've already voiced my concerns with Latavius Murray throughout the preseason. Tony Jones Jr. is RB2. He's played like it in the only preseason games we played, because uh, we had that third one canceled. Um, he played damn well. Latavius Murray couldn't get his blocks off. He fumbled the ball in the Ravens game, and it was a crucial fumble, by the way. We were in scoring range. Uh, I think we were in the red zone, if not goal to go. Um, and, yeah, he just wasn't playing up to his potential. Like, he had a great season the year prior, yes, but what have you done for me lately? What he had done for me lately is shown me he can't block, pass block, run well, find the open holes, play explosively, and hold on to the ball. Tony Jones Jr. came in and said, I want this job, and I'm going to get it. It clearly, I don't know if it's more effort, he just played better. He just played better. Plain and simple, Tony Jones Jr. carried the ball better, he ran better, um, uh, routes, I should say, for passing, um, he was a better blocker, and he could find the holes better. I think Tony Jones Jr. is probably a little bit better. We saw a little bit of what he could do against the Panthers last year, because we had, like, no running backs, and he was on the practice squad, and he's shown up since. And that's really interesting to me, and it's really exciting to me, because we need to have that second running back. We can't just be relying on, hey, Alvin Kamara, can you carry the ball like 20 times this game? No. No. Alvin Kamara needs to be able to split out. And by the way, hey, here's a thing that I've, and I complained about this for at least a year and a half. If you do that toss play back to Kamara and they diagnose it like every damn defense has ever diagnosed this by this point, I'm getting pissed. Because seriously, there is a formation we run. I don't know how I've recognized this. Oh yeah, I've watched every play we've uh, run. And it is like, oh god, this is a toss play to Kamara to lose three yards. And what is it? It's a toss play to Kamara and we lose two yards. Maybe not three, but still, everyone's seen it. If you're an NFC South team and you, have, and you line up against the Saints and you see exactly that look, they're going to key in on it. Devin White knows that look by heart. It is something that is in his memory is like, yeah, if they even remotely try that, I'm going to go for Camara. Now, granted, you use that as the ability to do a play fake, and that's actually probably part of the reason for it, is to use that look as a play fake. But still, it gets annoying when it's like you're using it in crucial situations. Like, I can see doing it on a first and ten, not on a second and five. It's not exactly a great setup play to get you a good third down, and we keep doing it. And I complain about that because there's one thing I, and I know this is a little all over the place, but so is the actual Saints football team. This is what we like to call metaphorical. And, uh, yeah, Tony Jones Jr., Alvin Kamara, that's the run game, pass game, got Jameis Winston. God, Jameis Winston, please play better. Please play better than you played in 2019. And yes, in 2019, he threw for 5,000 yards, but he threw 30 picks. If he could just reduce the interceptions number and just keep the other two, uh, I don't think anybody would have any complaints in the city of New Orleans. I mean, if this dude throws for 5,000 yards and 30 touchdowns and he can only throw like 10, 15 picks, that's a Drew Brees season. I mean, that's literally a Drew Brees season. Actually, a Drew Brees season is actually like 35 touchdowns and 19 picks. Yes, I've looked into Drew Brees' seasons. He was throwing high uh, volumes of interceptions. Not as high as James Winston, but still. If James Winston could throw the damn ball really well, if he could find his guys, 
he's going to be he's going to be a threat. Um, one thing that is uh, new for the Saints this year, I guarantee it, and we saw it in the preseason, vertical threats. Breeze didn't have the arm strength later. Like, he really was forcing to get the ball 20, 30 yards down the field. Uh, as everyone knows with James Winston, that is very much not the case. He makes, it is a very difficult uh, throw for him to make it, like, 90 yards. Very, very difficult. But, like, he can genuinely throw the ball in the pocket, standing upright, uh, like, 50 yards with, like, little to no effort. We know this because he did that against the Jaguars, and it was awesome, and I was going crazy. This dude has a cannon for an arm, and Sean Payton knows, oh, I can do something with that. Oh, I can do something with that. You have to be able to get off of your, um, uh, what is it, defender, in order to do it, but Marquez Callaway, that's going to be your deep threat. I think he's going to be settling into a deep threat role uh, better than anybody else. I don't think Traquan, I think Traquan Smith was supposed to be the deep threat guy. That's what he was known for in college at UCF. Uh, he clearly hasn't settled into that yet, although we also really haven't seen him that much during the preseason, so I don't know about that. We'll see what he does during the regular season. Another guy that's to look out for during the regular season, Deontay Harris. There's still been no word on his suspension, if he's going to be suspended. By this point, he's not going to be. Um, I don't know about his injury status. I think he's been held out of practice, though. We've been wanting to use Deontay Harris more in the offense. He's a return specialist. Um, Grant... Well, no, he wasn't returning balls in preseason because he was injured. Aesop Winston was doing that, and Aesop Winston didn't make the team. Not the 53-man, at least. So, that's Deontay Harris's role. Um, but they want to expand. Excuse me, expand it. And you saw that a little tiny bit last year, where they'd try and run these jet sweeps with him. Um, I think he's also an outside threat, because he's a really shifty guy. That's why they have him on punt return, obviously. Um... Yeah, I think that's going to be fun. I think look out for Marquez Callaway. If Deontay Harris can get back in there, uh, D- Jawan Johnson, he's the new tight end too. This guy that converted from wide receiver. He came in last year off the practice squad when we were having a lot of problems with injuries. They saw something in him. Um, I think he's the guy who's famous for him and his wife making like Instagram or TikTok stuff. Um, that's why you might know him. And, uh, yeah, he's made the team again, and now he's the tight end, too. Like, he's he's the uh, number two tight end, because uh, I think one of our other tight ends went down with an injury. And he's been doing pretty decently. Like, I'm watching him play, and I'm like, well, this guy, this guy is actually kind of good. Maybe we have something here. By the way, speaking of tight ends, Adam Troutman is an underrated threat. Y'all probably know that already, if you follow the Saints, but Adam Troutman's pretty good at what he does. The first guy drafted out of Dayton since the 1970s. Yeah, I think he was a pretty good pick. I liked the pick at the time, by the way. I loved the pick. It was a fourth rounder, I believe. Um, It was like, yes, because we kind of needed a tight end too. We really didn't have that. And there's a reason why we could afford to let Jared Cook go. Number one, we couldn't really afford to keep him on. The cap situation we had was a little rough. But number two, Adam Schaubman runs routes pretty damn well. He holds on to the ball really well. He is a good tight end, and he's a Sean Payton tight end. So Payton clearly has got a lot of uh, faith, got a lot of uh, praise for the guy. 
I think is going to do well. Now, move on to that third phase, the phase that we always talk about here on the show, and that is special teams. Starting with, okay, please, can Rosas actually kick the ball well instead of being bad? Please, can you just be better? Why haven't we tried out Cole Tracy? I'm still pissed that we haven't tried out Cole Tracy or we never tried him out. Just please, why, what is he doing right now? Is he really doing anything? Is he busy? You could try him out, for God's sake. It's Cole Tracy. He's the greatest kicker in the history of the NCAA if you look at numbers. Like, you don't want to try him out? He, he, like, please, do it. Why couldn't you? Please. I'm going to continue Cole Tracy for Saints tryout. And if it doesn't work out, what's it going to hurt you? It's not like it's a free tryout. What, you got to pay him a few hundred bucks? I don't know. Help the man out. Try out Cole Tracy, please. Rose says he's got to kick the ball damn well. Of course, I don't think he's as good of a ball kicker as Blake Gillikin, also known as the Punt God or Puntasaurus Rex. Okay, that's his new nickname. Uh, This this is going to be fun. <laughs> Puntasaurus Rex. Okay. So that'll be his nickname for the rest of the year if he can keep bombing puns like he was in, uh, you know, preseason. Because I said he murdered a pun. And it, the way you listen, the way the ball comes off his foot, when you hear it, I don't know if the microphone's making it better, but it's like, oh, 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 that's beautiful. Oh, that is so beautiful. Because you know that ball is not getting returned or there's going to be some problems. By the way... Uh, from what I've seen, it looks like the coverage units are pretty, pretty good. So there's that. Oh, did I forget something about the Saints? Oh yeah, I did. The defense. The defense this year. Okay. So, defense is looking to be feisty. Feisty as all hell. Now, we got an injury going into this game. Looks like Ken Crawley will be out. Paulson Adebo, the rookie out of, uh, I believe, Washington, he's going to be stepping in. I already talked about how good he looked in the first preseason game. Uh, he was playing in place of Marshawn Lattimore, who does not look like he's going to be suspended for the first game, which is very good. Um, so, yeah, there's that. Um, front. God, we're going to miss Onyemata for the first six games. He looked like a monster in preseason. I know it's preseason, but still, he is a really, really good defensive lineman. And his ability to just rush the passer is so key for us. Because their secondary isn't that good. Yeah. Um, Linebackers-wise, Quan Alexander's back. This guy tore his Achilles on Christmas. Like, I think he tore his Achilles on the 25th, and he's back now, and apparently he's full, uh, fully healthy. Okay. If he can play back at the level he was playing at when he was fully healthy, oh, we, we got a fun time going with linebackers, uh, when you add in, uh, Demario Davis. We look to be pretty good at the linebacker position. They are, you know, they're smart dudes, they're athletic dudes. Um, you got... Looking at the front line, still got Cam Jordan. Um, there's a good rotation there. Granted, Onyemata would be really nice. But defensive tackle, I've seen a lot of people say like, yeah, the Saints really need some help at defensive tackle. Now, I can't really diagnose that because I'm not exactly great at noticing the different... Like, That's not one of my strong suits. Um, defensive line, better with more linebacker stuff. I don't know why I am, but it seems to be more of my specialty. I don't know. I, is it, you know, you, you never play it down of organized football, and it's kind of difficult to understand certain things, so, fun, 
But yeah, apparently that's a problem. If it comes to depth, then yeah, I can definitely see it. Uh, six weeks, though, we get Onyemata back. This defense becomes more feisty. You look in the secondary, um, C.J. Gardner-Johnson. Hopefully he doesn't run his mouth too much and get thrown out of the game because of the stupid fucking taunting. Um, yeah, you got him. He can still come on the safety blitz, by the way. Uh, you got Marcus Williams, who, contrary to everything I've said, he's at least worth paying because he's playing a cornerback-safety hybrid which, um, yeah, that's one less guy you gotta pay. So we keep paying wide receivers instead. What the hell is wrong with you, Sean? Um, we don't need wide receivers as badly as we need cornerbacks. That's why we signed Desmond Trufant, granted. Pretty decent pickup recently. We also just traded for Bradley Roby. He's not gonna be in this game, but he will be in next game. He's a damn good player. Uh, the Texans decided to be really nice about it because they are converting $7 million to a signing bonus so we don't have cap problems. Thank you. In return, we're giving them a third rounder and a conditional sixth in the next draft. Uh, I should rephrase that. 2022 third rounder, 2023 conditional sixth. There we go. Now that makes more sense to you? Alright, that was a little confusing. Um, yeah. By the way, defensively, coming into the season, we thought we were going to have Patrick Robinson. And then he did this whole retirement thingy, so that didn't help matters. Uh, still got another old guy, another old vet in Malcolm Jenkins. He's there, I hope, to, you know, mentor guys. Because, uh, he's probably going to be retiring in the next couple of years. Maybe. Maybe not. We'll see. Maybe this guy can actually play forever. Um... Yeah. Overall, what do I think is going to happen? Packers are a good team. Really good team. Their defense, scary. Uh, though Zadarius Smith may not play. Just read a thing that apparently he's got a back problem that may have him out of the game. Though Matt LaFleur has said nothing about actually confirming uh, whether he will be fully out. The inactives list is going to come out, of course, uh, before the game. That's going to be on Sunday. I think it comes out like an hour before the game. So, yeah. Watch out for that. And, um, yeah. I guess I should get into my prediction. I think the Packers are just a better team than the Saints. Um, I do believe this is going to be closer than it could normally be. I think one thing that I need to... Let's get this out of the way. Um, oh my god, this game's been moved in this whole Hurricane Ida stuff. Yeah, this, that, and the other thing, you can shut the hell up about that. Because ain't nobody going to take that excuse. Nobody's going to accept that excuse. This is a football game. These are football players. I know they care about their family. Their family is fine. Their houses, they know they're going to be okay. Because they can get two people there. They're dealing with it. Okay? You all thinking that, oh my god, the Hurricane Ida. It's one thing to have, okay, fine, they got to move stuff around. They've been dealing with that for a little bit of time, and it's fine. It's not like we haven't done this before. In fact... Holding remote, uh, you know, practice isn't, it's not the first time we've done this. In 2019, the Saints had, uh, two straight West Coast games. They went to LA and then they went to Seattle. So, after playing the Rams game, the Saints packed their stuff and flew straight to Seattle where they practiced the full week. They didn't bother flying back to New Orleans because why the hell would you fly back there? It is so much more hassle trying to go back, unpack, and then pack everything back up and go back to Seattle. You could just go to Seattle for a week. I know not everybody was on that team, but a lot of those guys were. A lot of those guys. 
were on that team. Taysom Hill was on that team. Deontay Harris was on that team. Um, Alvin Kamara was on that team. Most of the offensive line was on that team. A lot of the defense was on that team. They know how to deal with that. It's not as bad as you might think because the Saints have done it before. Moving to a remote operation is totally within the Saints' wheelhouse. They are professionals. They can adjust to it. The only question I got is, uh, hey, Packers, can you stand the heat? Because we're bringing it. We're still going to lose this game, I think. Um, Yeah, I I think it's going to be a really close game. Could be a Saints win. Do you think that people, uh, people are giving the Packers more of a chance to win than I think it should be? I think it should be closer. Um, it should be a great game to watch. There's a reason why it's the game of the week. Um, and yeah, that's really all there is to say about that. So that concludes my preview of the Saints and LSU football games. I'm not going to give you score predictions because score predictions are stupid. Let me just say this. Let, let me get this ramble out of the way. Score predictions are dumb. They cannot ever be that good because you don't know how many turnovers there are going to be. If you saw last night's Cowboys-Buccaneers game, that game was a two-point game because, number one, Greg Zerline's leg forgot how to work for a couple of plays uh, because he missed a 31-yarder, he doinked a 33-yard extra point, and he missed a 60-yard field goal they never should have kicked in the first place. Um... And also, the Buccaneers turned the ball over four times because catching the football is hard. I mean, I get it is hard, but like, come on, guys. I I know those gloves. Those gloves are meant to catch the ball. The ball is supposed to stick to them. How are you dropping it? Lenny, it's right in your hands. Come on, bro. You're better than this. By the way, yes, it was very weird seeing guys with single-digit numbers like running backs, uh, guys like running backs with that in a regular season game. Really weird. But still, that was a great game, by the way. I'm not going to break it down for you here. All I'm going to say is, people are talking about the OPI. There should have been an intentional grounding call before the offensive pass interference play. That should have backed them up 10 yards and should have run 10 seconds. There's no receiver in the area. I don't know who the hell they thought it was going to be to. That looked like intentional grounding unless they were saying, oh, it was supposed to be to Antonio Brown. And I'm like, huh? But yeah, score predictions are stupid. Here's what is a good prediction ranges. So I believe that the LSU Tigers are going to win by five scores. Five scores. What is so that's around 40 points ish, you know? Believe that's a reasonable score range, 4 to 5, and I believe with the Saints and the Packers, I believe that's going to be a one-score game obviously. I think it's going to be between uh 3 and 5. Between 3 and 5 points, uh you know, it's going to be, like, really close down to the wire. It could be last team that has the ball wins. But it will be fun to watch. I'll be recapping both of these games. Um, I am going to be at the LSU game, but I will... And Let me tell you something. I'm going to watch the game on ESPN Plus after the game happens as soon as I can get back because I need to be able to see what was happening over and hear what the commentators were saying. Sometimes they, show, uh, they say things that are like, oh, that's an interesting stat I didn't know about. Cool. And yeah. So that's going to do it for this. Uh, Don't forget that there is that GoFundMe link in the description. Why don't you help with some Hurricane Ida relief? We're doing that the whole month of September. Trying to raise only 500 bucks. So anything you can give, please do. It helps a bunch. It's going to a great charity. 
If you want to find me on Twitter, find me at capital B-E-N, capital S, capital L, capital A, capital S-P-O-R-T-S. You can find me on Twitch. On Tuesday, we'll be doing a charity stream. It's like the Goal to Go Lives that I normally do on Tuesdays, except, you know, with the charity part. That's twitch.tv slash T-E-P-I-G-L-O-V-E-R-1. Once again, twitch.tv slash T-E-P-I-G-L-O-V-E-R-1. I've been Ben Schluter. This has been the Goal to Go kickoff show. We'll see how this works next time. Uh, on next Friday, we're going to preview the Saints game first, and then the LSU game. But until then, I've been Ben Schluter. Hope you've enjoyed this. Have a fantastic weekend. Go Tigers, hoot at, and bye-bye.